0: Can we give a big thanks to the Lord for adopting us into his family? <laughs> Can we do that? It's funny, in our culture, you know, we're obsessed with, like, who am I? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Who are my people? And the great news is because of Jesus, we have an identity. We have a people. We have a new family. We have a Father who loves us perfectly forever and ever. It's awesome. awesome. So instead, of, I'm not supposed to be preaching this morning, so I'm, I'm going to, sorry, sorry D, okay, all right, I'm trying to stay calm, I'm trying to stay calm. I mean, it's really good news, right? And we don't come here on Sundays just to sing and listen to someone rattle on. We're here because we have a new family in Christ, and it's awesome. Okay, okay, we're good. Hey, if you're online, we're glad you're here. If you're in person, we're glad you're here. If you don't know me, my name is Jamie Moore. I serve as one of the elders and pastors here. I'm so glad that you're joining us in worship. If you're a visitor or a guest, we're so glad that you're here. And I want to invite you. There's a Connect desk right out there. If you're a visitor or a guest, please come to that Connect desk. Mark will be there. I'll, I'll try to be over there as well. We'd love to meet you, talk to you, get to know you, get you some information. A couple of announcements. Number one. Did you know that the city of Cincinnati has a prayer canopy in which we have twenty-four-seven prayer over our city? Did you know that? With our churches all and nonprofits all over the city praying that the kingdom of God would come on Cincinnati, and from time to time we have uh, opportunities to worship together as a canopy. We have one coming up Sunday, May twenty-second. That's next week. Next week, Sunday night. to 8.30 at New Life Temple. We're going to be worshiping together, praying together. I invite you to come and be a part of that and part of the prayer canopy next Sunday night. Secondly, June 4th. Everybody look right at me and say June 4th. June 4th is the first Saturday in June. We are going to have an all-church celebration for Dennis and Marianne. Yes. It's going to be a family event, a family affair. Uh, we have more information coming, but I want to make sure that you have that date in your calendar. Everybody in the church family, let's have that date. Saturday, June 4th in the evening, ready to go. Another all-church event for us is Sunday afternoon, June 26th. I say Sunday afternoon as well. We'll have worship, and then we're going to do our congregational meeting. This is an opportunity for us as a church family to all get together, to be together, we're going to try something a little bit different this time. We're going to have an abbreviated service, first service from 9 to 9.55. Then we'll have the congregational meeting, 10 to 10.30. This is the goal. We'll see how it goes. 10 to 10.30, congregational meeting. Light bites, 10.30 to 11. Second service, 11 to 11.55. Does that, that make sense? So June twenty-sixth, congregational meeting. If you're a covenant member of this church, when you walked in, there is a uh, form a, a form, an informational packet that you need to have because part of that congregational meeting, we're going to be voting on some updates to our constitution. and it's really important that our entire church family knows exactly what's happening and you get to ask all the questions that you want to ask. And I'll just be straight with you. Most of the changes in the Constitution are just updating our practices just so that the Constitution reflects what we're doing as a church family. But if you do not have that packet, I want you to go to the Connect Desk after the service and pick it up from Mark. Okay? Yep. Great. So regular attenders as well. So if you've been coming and you don't have that packet, make sure that you go to the Connect Desk so that you have the packet in preparation for June 26th. And we're inviting people uh, to ask any questions that you have about that. I want to make sure that everything is straight, everything is out in the open, that we're clearly communicating with one another on the congregational meeting. There will be some other things that we're doing as well, but I just want you to know that. Okay, communion. So we've been practicing communion as a church family on second and fourth Sunday. In our discipleship survey from the new year, uh, many of you expressed a desire, hey, it would be nice to be able to celebrate communion every single week. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make communion available Every week, every time we worship, we'll have communion available. Now, that means uh, that you'll see communion there and communion there. On first and third Sundays, you can come take communion whenever you want. On second and fourth, we're going to have it as a part of the service, like a specific part of the service. But we want you to know communion will be available every single week whenever we gather. We're trying to respond to the discipleship survey and respond to what our church family is asking for in terms of practices. Sound good? Okay. All right, I'm trying to move this quick. Oh, you may have noticed that I was gone the last uh, two or three weeks. I was on study break. I got to spend some time uh, by myself with the Lord. And uh, I want to thank you as a church family uh, that you are a family that cares for the staff, to allow staff to be away and to just spend some time with Jesus. So it was a really, really healthy time for me personally, where a lot of uh, some deep things happened in me. And I'll share. I can't share now, but I'll share later. Some deep things happened, but I wanted to tell you, um, I took two of those Sundays. It was the Sunday before Flying Pig and after Flying Pig. Took two of those Sundays to visit four other churches in Cincinnati area, and they're great churches. But I came away with two things. One, I was challenged. Like there's some things we as MCC that we can do better. Like I experienced some churches and I thought there's some things we could do better. So I was challenged. And then secondly, I was really encouraged because I thought to myself. If, there was, if I wasn't on staff at MCC, I would still be worshiping here at MCC. And that hasn't been true of my staff experience for the majority of my life. Served in churches for 23 years. And for many of those years, I was serving on staff at a church, but if I wasn't on staff being paid to be there, I wouldn't worship there. And that's not true here. <laughs> The presence of the Lord is here. And this is family. So I just want to encourage you with that. Uh, God is moving here in this place. If you weren't here last week, there was a teenage boy, never prayed for anybody, and like three people got healed. He just prayed for them. Another miraculous thing, we're about to watch uh, two of our members, Derek and Jill Harris, uh, were married. Are they here? Right here. Can y'all wave? Can y'all wave at everybody so everyone can see you? You're about to watch this video talking about miraculous work of God. Derek and Jill were married, then divorced, and are getting remarried today. Yeah. Because God does miraculous things. He reconciles things. He takes things that are broken and dead, and He brings them back to life. So we're going to watch a video with that story, and then I want you to know, everyone looking right at me. I know I've been talking a long time. Everyone looking right at me. At 10, yeah, 10.30... So after this service, we are going to walk over there into the Emery Room, and we're all going to celebrate Derek and Jill being remarried today, like it's happening today. So 1030, Emery Room, Well, there's light bites, there's cake, there's wedding stuff, and then these two are being restored in marriage. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So let's celebrate uh, Jesus. Can I just pray for us real quick? Uh, let's just uh, celebrate Jesus, and then I want you to watch this video of Derek and Jill sharing part of their story. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are the creator of all things. And then when we messed it up and sinned and rebelled against you, even when we were enemies of yours, you came to die for us in our place. And by grace through faith, you've taken enemies and made them sons and daughters of the Father. And I thank you for this picture of Derek and Jill. They were enemies of each other. And by your power, you have restored them. So we celebrate that. And we thank you, Jesus, that even when things look dead, you are a God of a resurrection. You are a God of restoration. You are a God of redemption. And you are the God of the impossible. So we thank you for Derek. I thank you for Jill. I thank you for your spirit moving here in this place. And we want to continue to celebrate you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's watch this video.
1: Hi, my name is Derek Harris. And I'm Jill.
2: Harris. Harris. Um, Pastor asked us to share our journey with MCC because we've had uh, an interesting, windy road of a journey um, that ended in divorce, um, being separated for seven
3: years.
2: Four years? Wow.
3: Like yeah,
2: I guess. Yeah, around four years and then starting to try to build our relationship again about three years ago. So it's basically been seven years since we've been divorced. You know, it's taken us four or five years to get to the point where we are today, but thankfully, you know, we've been strong in our commitment, we've been strong in our faith. So it's been kind of a, a a crazy ride where you know, we got married at a young age. And
1: didn't really take it serious, yeah, I
2: didn't take it serious, and like, I just wasn't biblically based at that time. I wasn't strong in my my faith, and thankfully, we're getting married again. Um, you know we've we've worked on a lot of the, it's been hard. we've met with Marianne and Dennis like multiple times, and, and Jill was still um, cautious throughout this entire process, but um. yeah, it's been a, a crazy seven years of uh, from the point of maybe finding MCC and being to where I'm at today, and I'm, I'm thankful for, for the church, I'm thankful for my men's group, I'm thankful for the guys that I met at church, because I think now I hang out with more faith-oriented men um, that at not hanging out with people who are, I would say, yeah, I hang out with people who have a positive (laughs) influence, I would say, other than having a different kind of influence. So I'm, I'm just thankful for, again, for the church and yeah. And then that's pretty much our story. I mean, it's been a, uh, an interesting journey. Um, we thank you again for all the prayers and thank Marianne and, and Dennis for all their help. Um, yeah, anything you want to add? Uh, I know I'm speaking. Um, I feel like I'm talking like most of the time, and I don't like talking to a camera. <laughs> um,
1: I, you know, I think for me, just from my perspective, I I was raised, born and raised in the Lutheran Church, and I've always held tight to my faith. Um, you know, even when when things happened after Elena was born, um, you know, I, I think I always told Derek. I said, you know, I I can take. I can take acceptance for my role in the deterioration of our marriage. I, but what I can't take acceptance for is how he chose to react to it. And, um, you know, I think those those seven or eight years, they were really hard. Um, I always clung to my faith, though. I think it brought me closer to God. And getting myself in that mindset, I think, um, opened my mind and eventually my heart to Derek and, you know, his desire to try one more time. Um, Had I not had that faith-based perspective, I I don't know that I would have. And, you know, there are times now where we kind of sit there and we think, well, look at what we'd be missing if we didn't. It's it's not always easy. Um, You know, we're not perfect. We don't always... Get along, but um, you know we we have the tools and the faith first and foremost to help us through those times. Um, so yeah, I, I will say when we got divorced, it was 2016, and it, we both were crying during the final ruling or hearing or whatever you want to call it. And the judge, I remember specifically the judge looking at me and saying. I don't think this is the end for you guys, and I hope that one day I find out that you guys are back together. And I, I won't ever forget that either, um, because obviously she could see something there as well. Um, so we're just, like Derek said, we're really thankful for all of the support and the prayers and to Pastor and Mary Ann for all of their guidance. And support. I think it was really them that helped us get on the right track and give us the tools that we needed to um, work through and continue our work <laughs> through our relationship right now. So, um, yeah, looking forward yeah. to it. And we appreciate all of the, the love and prayers and support.
2: Okay. That's it. Thanks.
4: Mm, that is so good <clears throat> but God but God but God <laughs> amen whoo Well, good morning, and th- thank you, Derek and Jill, for sharing your story with us and uh, for the opportunity for us to cheer you on today and elena that 's a big day for uh, you too girl what a what a joy and I just love the the impact that uh, the, the the fellowship that took place in the congregation uh, with Derek and Jill, I think of the guys' group, uh, Brock Lush, David McMillan, Rob Seaton, and the privilege of walking together uh, through that time. <clears throat> but God, you know, but God. So we're going to have a wedding at 10 30 uh, in the uh, uh, emery room just at the end of the hall so it's going to be a short ceremony but i want you to be there uh, to let's cheer them on <clears throat> and it's really a great introduction to the topic of our series for this week which is the family of god and how uh, the bride of christ the church uh, functions to glorify god on the earth to bring the kingdom to bring uh, the relationships and the, uh, the reality of the gospel into our lives. I can think of the times uh, here that Marymont, we were just testifying to this yesterday, that Marymont Church has really impacted our family. And I think that Every family, no matter what the shape of your family, you could be a single parent, you could be a multi-generational family, you could have friends living with you, but every family is made stronger in a strong church because we are a gathering of families. And they're all different shapes and sizes. We all have different gifts, but churches that are strong help families get stronger And that should be our role and our encouragement to each other. And I'm just seeing the way that the family of God works here. Um, I I see uh, things like fostering going on over here, Uh, the Panzeca family. uh, I see uh, adoption. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in January of 2011, Del Stringfield, one of our oldest members at the time, her daughter was shot to death by an estranged husband here in the Marymont neighborhood. And I remember that season where uh, two dozen of her family from all over the place uh, were present here worshiping with us for several weeks. They were staying at our place. It was family. Like we were together through that trial with them. And that, that changed things. I think of the times that Families have given cars to other families. Uh, I think of uh, times where we've brought meals to each other at times of sickness and uh, illness, uh, sharing our possessions, whether they are uh, cars or lake houses or places where others can find rest so this is this is the joy of family and and even as I look at michael and his family over here and judy and michael belanger but as our children were married to each other we ended up becoming friends and walking in the kingdom together and we even made a mission trip to ecuador where judy's parents became part of the kingdom uh, and were baptized so uh this is the impact of family and i just want to encourage us today and uh Even in in the ministry that we have, uh, there's opportunities. So even today, uh, in between services, the family shop, which is a consignment store that we have in the lower level over on that side of the building, will be open So uh, if you have any needs or you know of people who have needs, then go down and look around. That'll be part of the family. So go ahead and turn to Titus, uh, Titus, Timothy, 1 Timothy, chapter 3. And we've already covered a lot about the family of God. I just want to remind us. Uh, In the first message we talked about how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a family and everything we have all our identity, everything that happens here is anchored in and flows from the Holy Family. So we begin uh, thinking about the family of God with the amazing work that they did together to earn our redemption and to bring us into uh, the adoption of as children of God. Amazing, amazing, amazing reality. God has made his, work to, his word to Abraham come true. He started with one family in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, in the midst of all the chaos and violence and murder on the earth, he picked one family, a pagan, and they brought him and his family out to begin following him. And he promised Abraham that he would bless all the families of the earth and he's made good on that with billions around the world, families by the millions, hundreds of millions, being brought into the covenant of the kingdom of God, being brought into the family of God. And that's where we are. So we we've, we've start with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. We're descendants of Abraham by faith. But also during this series, we, had, uh, we gathered the older and the younger men. And we talked about the roles uh, that older and younger men in the church have. Uh, We gathered the women of the church uh, on May 7th to see how the older and younger women of the church uh, need to interact. And there was wisdom and blessing and relationship that were strengthened in those two meetings. Yesterday, we talked about families, our homes, and our influence. Um, And we had... uh, Uh, 12 or 13 families uh, participating in that yesterday as to how they can strengthen uh, and how we can encourage each other and strengthen each other. But families of all sizes have a role here. And then next Sunday I'm going to be spending a couple of hours with our youth uh, encouraging them in their role in the family of God. So uh, today I'm going to look at four sections of 1 Timothy to add some texture to uh, this family of God that we've been putting together with the, the royal family at the head, uh, with the roles of older and younger men, older and younger women, the roles of the youth, uh, the roles of families in the church. And we're going to build on that today by looking at uh, elders, widows, um, discipline in the church, uh, and uh, also uh, some... Uh, a challenging text on the role of women that I want to look at I'm trying to cover all that's important in these letters didn't want to miss that it's a pretty obvious uh, text so let's dive in 1st uh, Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 to 7 the saying is trustworthy by the way that's our third trustworthy saying uh, that we're looking at in this series Paul has five of those in these three letters So this is uh, Paul's instructions on elders or overseers. And uh, then shift over to chapter 5, and we're going to look at the first eight verses. It says here, "...do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity." This is the family. We dove into this in Titus 2 in great detail. But this is the honor that is uh, spoken of by Paul over all these members of the family. Then he continues with the honor idea. He says, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. And he goes on there to say that widows that are over 60 are the ones that we're going to focus on because they're the ones that need the most help. And then go on to chapter 1, verse uh, 5, chapter 5, I should say, verse 17. And he's going to come back to the elders. And again, we're talking about honor and discipline. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. And finally, uh, go back to chapter 2, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and I'm going to read from. 8 to 15 <clears throat> I desire then that in every place <clears throat> the men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling likewise also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire but what but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works So these are the very words of God and uh, so we're going to have four parts to today's message. The first I'm going to talk about uh, leadership by male elders which is the first section we read. Uh, The second is I'm going to talk about generational care and honor in the body of Christ. Thirdly I'm going to talk about honor and discipline in the body of Christ. And finally I want to talk about these gender directives and uh, bring them into focus in terms of our congregation as well. So Father, uh, as we think about your word, these are uh, four uh, varied topics that add to the picture of the family of God we've already seen in this series. And I thank you that Paul is careful to give his protégés all the tools they will need Uh, to lead churches to train others and to pass on the truths of the faith father would you help us get a hold of these things and would you help us as a church to live according to the scripture as closely as possible by the power of your holy spirit and we pray these things in jesus name amen okay so let's dive in first part is that the churches will be led by male elders and he goes through this, and if you're uh, interested there, he has the, he has the uh, word elder is used in Titus and 1 Peter. He uses the word overseer here, and then you have the word shepherd. You also have a synonym for each of these. Uh, elders, uh, some translations use presbyter, presbyters, because that word there is presbyterioi. Uh, Overseers is also bishop, because that word there is episkopos. That's where we get the word bishop. And shepherd is where we get the word pastor. So elder, overseer, shepherd, presbyter, bishop, or pastor, those are all interchangeable terms uh, in the New Testament. And they are all uh, assigned to men, and they all come with challenging criteria that the men have to be fulfilled to take those roles. When we look at the big picture, we see a pattern of male leadership which starts in creation and it continues through the church and it continues through the home. Uh, This is uh, also accompanied by a pattern of women who are engaged as godly helpers in the roles whether it's in the garden of Eden whether it's in the home or whether it's in the church Uh, so this is now the pattern that Jesus brings into the new covenant and what's interesting is Jesus brings uh, a whole new covenant a whole new way of doing things and yet he still chooses 12 male apostles he could have easily chose six and six he could have chose six married couples he chose 12 male apostles and he brought uh, along with him women who would be discipled who would be given roles in the uh, the coming of his kingdom who would be supporting him from their means uh, who would be leading uh, uh, I should say uh, involved in all kinds of ministry Uh, including hosting the meetings of the church in their families which we studied when we went back uh, through uh, Nympha and Lydia uh, when we studied that earlier in the gift series so that's the big picture uh, and that's something that he's continued that Jesus has continued through uh, the New Testament Uh, I gotta tell you a story it was so painful but we, uh, we had a, a woman come into our church uh, several years ago now, and it was amazing. God was moving in her life. Uh, God was drawing her to himself. And um, on about her fourth or fifth Sunday, uh, someone said something from the front. Um, I don't remember exactly what the trigger was, but uh, she was shocked that we had only male elders not only was she shocked she was highly offended and she made a huge deal about it with a number of people in the church and uh, but not once did she ever ask why is that not once did she ever ask what do women do in this church she just got offended and left and it was painful because you could see the Lord was really working in her life, and uh, it was hard for me personally. I got called some very, uh, some very uh, messy names, but like Neanderthal and other things. Uh, but there, there, there was a impact there of feminism that refused her to be able to even to seek to understand why we would do things like that what did the Bible say how do we get to this so uh, despite uh, turning the culture upside down Jesus I think brought this culture of uh, male leadership and honoring of women and so it's a redemption of the created order which is a patriarch and a matriarch leading the subduing of the creation together to where the patriarch was now highly offended, highly offending everybody. And now we see this whole counter swing against all things. And, uh, you know, the one thing I just could not stand was watching Everyone Loves Raymond because he would just get massacred every week as being an idiot. And, And fatherhood was portrayed as idiocy. And it just, I couldn't watch it. I just couldn't watch it. It was hard enough just being a father without dealing with that. So we also discovered something here at Marymont Church. We discovered that the elders that we have are married to godly women. In fact, they're one flesh with godly women. So God had already in his design had worked out this team in the home would also be a team in the church. And the women who are the wives of the elders of this church play an enormous role day in and day out in praying for this church, in giving wisdom, in giving counsel. And so we learned that this was a beautiful way for a husband and wife to serve, to sacrificially give, to serve the king, to know the flock, to actually know the flock. And to be able to pray and move, and so trustworthy saying number three by Paul here, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It is a noble task. It is literally like taking on a part-time job for for our elders and our elders' wives. The time they invest and the way that they uh, invest themselves in the church, and they do it with humility with humility. And Peter agrees with Paul, and here's what he says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and, and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock and as we come out of the pandemic we are realizing that shepherding the flock small groups i mentioned this in the discipleship survey summary last week we are in huge need of fellowship and this is going to be a big priority so i just ask you to pray for our elders and their wives and all the leaders in the church who serve as we come into this next congregation meeting six weeks from now We're going to be welcoming some new elders. We're going to be asking you to approve uh, new terms for the existing elders and, as Jamie said, for that constitution of, okay, how are we going to work and live together? So that's point one, uh, family of God, leadership by male elders uh, who are uh, humble and who are married to godly women who are also serving the church. All right, next point. The generational care and honor. So Paul shifts now to the older and younger and then the widows. And notice the tone of his talking is deference, care. He mentions purity. He mentions honor. Uh, Widows, he says the first to help them should be their families. And that's uh, something that we need to care of. And I love in our church that uh, we have such a high e- effort level by our families in caring for the elderly, not only the elderly in our congregation, but the elderly in our families. And there's a, uh, it's, it's, it's just a, a fount of wisdom. And I just encourage you uh, to make an effort to connect with the elderly people around you that are in the church today and to find out their story and to seek out counsel when you're looking for wisdom. Uh, and everybody, by the way, uh, is, is to have in mind, okay, how can I be helpful? And we want each person to keep, though, carrying their own load. So it's this balance between helping and challenging, and honoring, and also carrying our own load. In Galatians 6, this is one of our key shepherding passages. We say, uh, Paul, uh, Paul says this, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load." So I see families caring for their parents. I think of uh, uh, the way Barb Leonard cared for her mom, Dennis and Helen Spurgeon, uh, who cared for their parents as they aged and passed on, the Swifts, the Kofskys. We even had a small group that was devoted to helping families care for their parents. This is something, as Paul points out in this letter, that this is like a major responsibility for each and every generation <clears throat> to care for the elderly. And uh, so I just, I just want to encourage us as we think about, especially our uh, single, older, widowed uh, ladies, um, we have just an, an incredible group of godly women who are uh, praying for us, who are godly, and who are walking out this journey, um, and they, we are their family, and we need to think about that and make that part of our, our daily uh, routine. So I bless and let's pray for our elderly to be honored and respected and loved and cared for. Amen? Okay, and that's countercultural, isn't it? All right. The third piece is uh, the church leaders, and um, they deserve honor and encouragement. But we also need to protect them from gossip, and uh, and so the requirement of having at least two people bring an accusation against an elder. By the way, this is true for everyone. This is the foundation of the Old Testament law: is that these things have to be settled by two or three witnesses. So. Bring, bring that and obviously we need to be open to the correction of our elders. So our elders are not above the word of God. They need to be uh, challenged and encouraged and they need to be uh, also held to that standard. That's why when we bring a new elder uh, in, we, we go through a year of training on eldership, uh, one-on-one with another elder couple, and we put them before you with a spiritual resume so sometime in the early part of June uh, there will be spiritual resumes on the connect desk for two elders uh, we're going to let you know who they are they're going to give you all the details and we are going to give the church three weeks because we want to make sure that there isn't something that this candidate has done or a pattern of behavior or something that's not right that doesn't get addressed we want to be completely uh, completely open book on that so uh, and we've, we've added this text 1st uh, Timothy chapter 5 verses uh, uh, 18 to 20 to our constitution to say we're going to hold elders accountable that wasn't in there before so uh, that comes to just the way we're going to think about living together as a family And Paul, in that part about the elders, really goes through a process that is true for all of us. Which brings me to the social covenant. So in the packet you received, there's a cover letter uh, that explains what we're doing. And then on this uh, second page, there's the MCC social covenant. And then uh, you have all the changes to the Constitution that are underlined Uh, And I want to thank Mark Longnecker, who's an attorney, who's here this morning. Mark, you want to just stand up? Uh, Mark, thank you very much. (laughs) Mark put all this together for us. He specializes in governance, so he was extremely helpful to us. And then the last thing you have is a clean copy of what it's going to look like after you approve it. But let's come to the social covenant here, because... Uh, I want to just highlight four brief things about this. First of all, there's four sections. The first section is we're going to live with each other with mutual honor and respect. We're going to treat each other with honor and respect and there's some very specific things we're going to do there. Okay? Secondly, we're going to have a biblical process, not if things go wrong, but when things go wrong everybody look across the room and say to each other right now you guys are a bunch of sinners. <laughs> say it. Come on. Come on. That's where, that's where we start. That's where we start every premarital thing. You know the couple comes in they're all like oh I'm in love you know and we get them to sit down on the couch and look at each other and say you're marrying a sinner I didn't do that with you yet but you know you're marrying a sinner well you're at church with sinners your pastors are sinners we're going to fail so when we fail we're going to follow the process that Jesus laid out for how we're going to deal with stuff and that is is highlighted by two skills how to do a proper biblical repentance how to say you're sorry and mean it all right and by the way if you receive a biblical repentance it is not your job to judge whether they're sincere or not because some people are able to be more sincere than others but if their biblical if their repentance includes these biblical steps then you've got to practice biblical forgiveness. And you may have doubts about it, but that's between them and God. And your forgiveness is between you and God. Now, there's no way these guys would be getting remarried today if there wasn't biblical repentance and biblical forgiveness. Yes. And there's no way I'd still be married today to this beautiful woman over here if there wasn't biblical repentance and biblical forgiveness. Yes so this is just how the kingdom works this is the gospel the gospel says that no matter what happens you can forgive and you can repent and you can forgive and you can be cleansed that's what we do every time we have communion that's what we do every time we repair a relationship that is how we're called to live as people uh, and that's what that process Paul is talking about Uh, With those elders, and it's true for the whole church. All right, last point I'm going to make today is point number four uh, the gender directives. So, first of all, let's just look at what Paul's asking them to do. First of all, and, and, and earlier in the chapter he talks about desiring that all people would know God's truth. So what he's saying is, men, I want you guys praying, lifting holy hands without anger and quarreling. Why is that? Men are prone to anger and quarreling. Likewise, women should adorn themselves in respectful att- apparel, modesty, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, and good works, uh, because sometimes women can be tempted to, you know, pray. Uh, Play, play that card. So that's what he's saying. We both got issues. Get over it. Then he says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. You have to understand that's a big step from the Old Testament. He's saying, I want women to learn. I want women to become disciples. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and he wants her to be a disciple. He, he sits there and teaches her. So the, the, the new covenant, it's interesting, but the old covenant, the sign of the covenant was circumcision. It was only men had a sign of the covenant. But the sign of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. Men, women, and children receive the Holy Spirit by faith. So it involves everybody now. So you can see that in this situation, uh, let's, let's Learn and move and also with submissiveness. So we'll come back to that. Then he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man but she's to remain quiet. And then he goes into the creation and Adam wasn't deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor and it looks like Adam had nothing to do with nothing. But actually Adam had a worse sin than being deceived. He was, he was Um, apathetic and passive he knew enough to step in and deal with that situation he did not so she took he was abdicated so she took the reins and got skewered but they weren't a team they were not working together the way they should have been working at that moment and so uh, she became a transgressor well Adam became a transgressor too right let's okay so Paul's not trying to blame this on Eve he's just saying she was the one that got snuckered by the enemy because but he doesn't say it's because Adam didn't do his job then then he says she will be saved through childbearing well we know that's not the gospel right we know that's not the gospel she'll be saved through Jesus Christ maybe Mary was saved through childbearing but what is he saying here he's saying that her role is to bear children if she's obedient to the to the great command at the beginning of genesis they will have children and 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 then he he switches from her to they meaning her and her husband they will continue in faith love and self-control majoring on faith that's how you get saved is through faith so this is a challenging text and to to kind of bring it to where where we go. You'll remember that on December 5th, Jamie tackled this similar issue in the sermon uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, and we have to kind of look at the big picture now and see how this text fits in. At the whole Bible, if you look at the whole Bible, you can see the trajectory. God gets way more serious about marriage. Jesus comes back to Genesis 2 after all the polygamy and all the other divorce and everything going on he basically says it wasn't like that and anybody who gets divorced and remarries commits adultery he was super serious about marriage so that's the trajectory about marriage when it comes to the trajectory on women it's it's that women are more engaged in the kingdom and in the the biblical ministry so Uh, let's recap what I think Paul is talking about here is people men and women who are disruptive who are um, divisive and who are domineering and these behaviors whether they're men or women of divisiveness disruptiveness or domineering are not permitted so if a woman sets herself up as a Bible expert and starts teaching then run okay if a woman starts demanding or taking authority over men run in the same way uh, if a man is disruptive or divisive and says those guys don't know what they're talking about let me tell you the truth then run I think what Paul is doing here is he is, and and Jamie mentioned that these women in the 1 Corinthians passage were disruptive and they were uneducated. Now, I told the story about the woman at the beginning of my message. That was a person who was disruptive and uneducated and unwilling to find out what was going on. So I think what he's saying here is, look, we don't want disruptive, divisive, domineering people lording it over and he expects that men and women in the church will understand the big picture he expects that men will know they're responsible to lead the church and women will know that they're responsible to be helpers, to be submissive they both will be submissive to Christ and so in their home they will be a working team that will be led by the man and partnered with the woman And they know that the man is sacrificially leading like Jesus. And they know the woman is submissively following like the church. Because every marriage is like a picture of Jesus and the church. Jesus is submitted to the Father. The church is submitted to Jesus the man is submitted to Jesus and the woman is submitted to her husband as the church is submitted to Jesus it's the same pattern in the home and it's the same pattern in the church and if we all understand that then what we have now is everybody is equally valued everybody has gifts we we've learned that all spiritual gifts are given equally to men and women that all uh women are valued even though the Lord has put some different roles out there like eldership, uh, like the man's role all women are encouraged and this is why I believe this is the right interpretation all women are encouraged by Paul to pray, prophesy, use their tongues interpret tongues, testify and even bring an instruction in 1 Corinthians 14. So for Paul not to be contradicting himself about all these other things that women are doing, it cannot be that the job of women is to stay quiet in church. What it has to be is the woman uses her gifts understanding the ways of God in the home, the ways of God in the church. And so in that context, we are living at peace with each other we are living submitted to each other out of reverence for Christ and we're submitted to the word of God and what it teaches about these roles so when the elders make a decision that as I did several times that a woman should give this message and the elders agree then the woman gives the message under the authority of the elders And that's happened in this church, and it's been beautiful. Uh, Women can do whatever the Holy Spirit leads them to do. So we have women leading ministries here. We have women leading worship here. We have women praying here, prophesying here, using their tongues here. We have women giving instruction. One year at our family summit, Sammy, Michael's wife, brought a teaching about the four seasons of life spring, summer, winter, and fall. That teaching really impacted me. Really impacted me. Um, And now, am I going to say, well, she shouldn't be teaching anybody? No. I mean, I'm going to receive in humility what I think is coming from the Lord. And by the way, we do this with everything that we hear here. Everything you hear here, you need to go home and say, is that, is that in the Bible? And you may disagree with what I'm saying right now. That's fine. But it, I, can, I can put it in the Bible. I can do that. Alright? So, that way, we, we can operate in freedom and open-handed and everybody uses their gifts. Everybody plays. Everybody's a part of the team. And we honor Christ in everything we do and I can cite a few other examples where Paul sends Phoebe to read the letter to the Romans to the church in Rome operating under his authority she read probably the most powerful letter ever written to the church in Rome uh, Priscilla gently uh, set Apollos right uh, along with her husband uh, women hosting house churches Jesus teaching women and as we discovered on Resurrection Sunday Jesus choosing women to be the original witnesses who went and taught the apostles that Jesus was raised from the dead so um, in summary let's walk together in humility and gentleness and let's recognize that we all have gifts and that God wants everybody to play amen, amen. so let's uh, stand because as we close today I want to, uh, I want to uh, have the band come up and uh, lead us in a song but I want to and by the way uh, my first thought was we need to sing sister sledge we are family <laughs> that's kind of how I'm feeling you know but Royce had a much better idea Uh (laughs) Royce had a much better idea and so uh, let me pray and uh, then we'll get ready Uh, we'll sing a song and we'll go watch a wedding All right, Father we thank you for the way that your word uh, uh, Lord speaks to us Uh, Father I ask that you would help each one of us submit more fully to you that each one of us would submit more fully to each other that you, Lord, uh, would help us walk out the design of healthy male leadership, uh, Lord, of godly uh, women helping, of families thriving, of this family of God thriving, of being blessed, Lord, as we follow your direction and follow your discoveries, uh, your word and the discoveries that we have in your word. And Lord, um, let us be living with one another in peace and humility and unity. And Lord, we bind the spirits of divisiveness. Uh, Lord, we bind the spirits of disruption and we bind the spirits, uh, Father, of domination and domineeringness. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, bless us Thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be blessed as you began with Abraham and as now you are fulfilling in every family, here and every family listening, that you would be honored and glorified. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you stay standing and sing this together?
3: Lord, bless you. And keep you, make his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord turns his face toward you, and give him peace. Sing again, the Lord bless. The Lord bless you. Him keep you, make His face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you, and give you peace. Let's sing together, amen.
4: Your goodness. And I bless you, church, every family, every generation. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and be instruments of the King today, instruments of his kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Let's go have a wedding. All right.